with another Real Biz Talk. My name is Rachel Branke, and you guys know that I am always here to help you and bring you some of the top mistakes that I'm seeing that many of y'all are making in entrepreneurship. So many business coaches are out there and they are trying to show you all the things what you should do, but I think one of the most effective ways to learn about business, to be a successful entrepreneur, because we're all here to have a real business so we can live our real lives, but the most effective way is so that we look at the mistakes that we're making. Now, I'm gonna bring on our guest here in a couple of minutes. She is one of my favorite people in the entrepreneurship space. I know you guys probably hear that a lot, but I bring people on not only that I trust and love their business and entrepreneurial mindset, but are also really good people in their personal lives and in how they help and serve others because that is so big for me. You know, I talk a lot about my goal, this whole real business, real life is freedom. It's financial, physical, and mental, but it's also about serving myself, my family, and others, including all of you. And one of the ways to do that is to kind of shift your mindset and understand that in business, to truly be effective and to be able to get those freedoms you want and to be successful for yourself and to serve yourself is really to start with a service heart to others. I think the majority of us in entrepreneurship have gotten into business, not just for the money. Money is great, right? Financial freedom, physical freedom, all that's great, but it's to make an impact in the world. And that brings me to our topic for today. The, as you can see, it's th debunking three leadership myths. And many people probably won't listen to this because they'll think, I'm not a leader. Guess what? The second you get into entrepreneurship and you're looking to serve others, you're a leader. Even if you don't have a team, even if you don't have contractors and you have no desire to have a team one day, you're leading your avatar. You're leading those. You're serving people because they want the solution or the product or service that you have. And that is what we are here for. So I'm going to bring Lacey on and we're going to talk through these top three leadership myths. I'll let her do the bio. I love for our guests to do that themselves because I love to hear how they view themselves, the perspective they want all of you to have. You've already heard my glowing review of her. So let's go ahead and get her on and we will dive into this. And feel free if you're watching this live to drop questions below. If you're listening to this later on on the Real Biz Talk podcast, just go ahead and leave a comment. Let us know and I'll see if we can stick around with Lacey or I can try to provide some information for you. As we wait for Lacey to get on, just an FYI, I still have my free time strategic management challenge going on right now. So make sure you go to rachelbreaky.com forward slash time. There's no sales pitch in it. I just walk you through a 45 minute video with my schedule and talk about how I approach being able to manage all the things, but able to still run just my business. Lacey, welcome, welcome. Hello, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me today. Of course, I'm excited. You know what's funny is I didn't plan it. I'm not wearing it now, but when I got up this morning to get dressed, I ended up pulling out a shirt out of my fitness drawer, and it was from your conference that you put on and had me speak at a couple years ago, and I'm like, well, that is, that's not the universe just coming full circle. Right? Awesome. Well, I yeah, I absolutely loved having you there. So much value, and thanks for having me on today. I'm excited to share with your audience. So, a little bit about myself, my my bio. Um, I have been an executive leadership coach for six years now. And prior to that, like, why are you qualified to do that? I was uh, working in the both the private and the public sector for over 15 years building teams and running um, organizations, running programs, creating things that last 
by developing the people that can make them carry on, even if I'm not there. So I absolutely love teaching others how to build those teams because I absolutely believe with full conviction that every single person deserves the opportunity to wake up every day and be inspired when they go to work, to be engaged in their work. And there is no position in an organization that isn't valuable, clearly. As an entrepreneur, you really get that because you're paying out of pocket, right, out of your, out of your business. <laughs> for every position and they all matter. And so the way that I can have impact in this world and really live out my purpose to, to um, value every person, every person matters, is to work with leaders who are having huge impacts. You're creating the everyday reality for people, whether it is, as you said, your avatars, people that are following you, if you don't have employees or if you have staff, absolutely for them too. You are creating the space that they're coming into every day and the stories they tell around the dinner table at night. So, well, I just have to say, you guys think I'm tough love. Lacey posts stuff every week and I'm like, oh, she just punched me in the face with that one. It's just <laughs> what I need to hear because, you know, when I started out entrepreneurship, I mean, I've told my story in the past, but nutshell, 15 years ago, I didn't have a business, didn't have two nickels to rub together. I mean, I had didn't have a team. I had a business and I knew that in order to scale, and you kind of said it a little bit ago, it really to scale and to have that freedom of what you want to do. And we're doing this on the heels of you getting to go take an amazing vacation and kind yeah. of de-plug and get away from everything. But I knew that that was pivotal, but I also was hard to see that in the beginning when you're just mm -hmm. trying to make ends meet on your own. Do you mm -hmm. have a little bit of tidbit to someone who's listening going, God, leadership doesn't apply to me because I can't even see past this month's, like, you know, uh, profit and loss statement to even think about getting a team. Right. I will say uh, the biggest thing that you need to do is first envision the kind of life you want to be living and realize mm -hmm. it's never going to happen on accident. So if you are, if you don't have that crystal clear vision of this is what I want life to be like. And a lot of times people are like, plan for 10, like you were saying, plan for five years from now. I can't even plan for tomorrow. But if you're not aiming towards everything or towards anything, you're going to get it every time, right? Nothing. If you're not aiming to, you need to have a vision out in front of you for this is what I want my life to look like. This is what I want it to feel like. This is the, the reality I want to create for myself, for people that work with and for me at some point and for my family. And a really important way of doing that is the first step is just understanding like first of all giving yourself permission to really say what you want because so many times we downplay it or we have mindset blocks or we're afraid to say out loud what that thing is that we or what that vision is for ourselves because it's too big or too much or too grandiose or and I would say um throw that that that's a whole mindset coaching issue Get a great coach if you need the help. I did. I had issues that I certainly had to overcome. I still have issues with this. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I had a big breakthrough this like six months ago and, and it was awesome. And I've been at this, right? Like, so anyways, get that, um, get that in line and then really understand like your core values and your purpose and how what you're doing is going to be a vehicle to live that out. You know, that's huge because, and this kind of dovetails in what we're talking about leadership is that, and I've shared this before on the podcast, like I am not shy to share 
my biggest weaknesses. My biggest weakness, I've always called it management, but I've been learning as I've been diving in. It really is leadership. I don't just want to be a manager. I want to lead my team. But what you just said, both things were great, but it definitely was the core values aspect because I'm, you're never going to have awesome hires, right? You're never going to be fully done learning to be a leader. And we're going to go through the top three myths, you know, that you see. And I yeah. probably have done all of them and thought all of them, but I was, I was getting in this cycle of I'm hiring people and I have some really solid people. So in my mind, it's, oh, I'm doing the right thing. But I right. would see that I was bringing in people and I'm going, they don't have self-ownership. They don't have self-fulfillment. They don't value the same things as me. And, and I realized, honestly, that was my fault. I mean, they have their own personal responsibility for not showing up and doing what they need right. to do. But as the leader, I needed to do that from the hiring process and even before oh, the yeah. hiring process of just self-responsibility. Like my team knows, and they're, they're going to end up listening to this. They know if they forget something, screw something up, I'm may, I'm not going to be happy, but if they lie, hide oh. it, or are not just like, "Hey, Rachel, I did this," yeah. that is th that. That's when it's it's almost not unforgivable. But it's like if you just tell me you forgot, and it may have been big, I might be frustrated. But I'm not going to. It, when you deviate from the core values of like integrity and ownership and you know mm -hmm. self responsibility, I have major issues, and it's really hard for me to keep a team member after that. Right. Right. Absolutely. And hiring for those is definitely critical. Um, and I would say those, those three aspects are, and I, I keep it to three, um, because five to seven for a business is reasonable three for personal, because if everything is important, nothing becomes important, right? We start having just this like shotgun effect of like, these are the things that the spattering of what's important to me, but really doing the, the work of paring it down and making yourself come up with essentially three filters for mm -hmm. these are the three filters I yeah. use to make all of my decisions and to run these decisions through and make them really unique to you. So I would even challenge Rachel to take integrity and say, well, what does integrity mean to you? Because integrity to you and me, we might have different definitions, yeah. right? Yeah. So I would run integrity through the, the five whys. I'm sure you've heard of the five whys, the process of the five whys, where you ask yourself, why is integrity important? And you get that answer. And then you ask yourself that again. And then you use the language through that exercise to really go, oh, these are my core value. Like, this mm -hmm. is really my core value that's unique to me in my own language. And mm -hmm. it shows not only what integrity is in the description, but how it's lived out. Because it sets the baseline for the culture. It, it, it Core values, culture are core values in action. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what your Cute. culture is. Well, and that's one of the things that we saw was that we had a team member and again, I take responsibility in the hiring process of not doing the best that I could have. I didn't guide with those values and it was poisoning the well essentially. Oh. And it was poisoning those that were solid workers. And yeah. I knew that that's really about the time that I started thinking that having a team wasn't about management. It was literally about leadership. Mm -hmm. um, so let's go ahead and talk about like the top yeah. three myths that you see that a lot of entrepreneurship entrepreneurs fall into. All right. The first one, and this one is uh, like 99% of the population. Um, when they start or are even midway, like five, even 10 years into their leadership journey, they're, they think, well, I'm a people person, so I've got this. It's just going to be intuitive for me on how to run a team. I just need to put it out there and tell them. And I, 
it'll be, you know, kind of like, like things will just fall into place. And if I get the right people on board, then we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Not true. Unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> now we wish it was that easy. Um, leadership is a learned skill just mm-hmm. like anything else. So I actually have always been a people person. I love people. I was the worst boss for like the first two years of my career. I was a train wreck because I went in with the expectation that, oh, I'm good at people. I like people. People like me. We're going to just do this thing this, mm-hmm. that like, you know, they're hard workers. They have the same values. We're on t- a team together. So wrong. So, mm-hmm. and, and the second myth that falls in under this, which is a hard pill to swallow, it certainly was for me, there really aren't bad teams, there's bad leaders. So, (laughs) you get- She punches you in the face, but it's true. (laughs) Well, okay, I do think there can be bad apples. Absolutely, notice I didn't say singular people that are causing an issue. I said there are no bad teams. Yeah. Because yeah. if you keep a team assembled and the whole thing is a hot train wreck. What's the common all, denominator? You're the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then likely if it's everybody on the team having a problem, you're the problem. You mm-hmm. know, if it's every single person on the team. So mm-hmm. there's, it really is about you get what you tolerate you and your communication has to be absolutely crystal clear because when i tell somebody what that i would like to um have them for instance like clean this copy up for me copy not coffee copy <laughs> clean up this copy <laughs> for me I may have a very different idea about what liberties I expect them to take, what the finished product looks like. I might not give them any boundaries. I may, they may want to use uh, some kind of um, electric, you know, electronics, am I 900? Some kind of technology <laughs> to like help with, to help with the, the process. And I, I may have a very different idea. So first of all, it's realizing that, you know, when people aren't meeting your expectations, and it seems to be everybody on the team's always letting you down. Mm-hmm. That's a red, that's a flag for you to be like, oh, well, I think I might have a communication issue here. But it's so much easier to just reflexively be like, God, my team can't get it together. Or mm-hmm. I hired this person to do the job. Why do I have to think about it this hard? So. Well, let's have the tough conversation here because we are both very strong personalities. And again, I'm always vulnerable. And I say that with love. You know, I have two daughters that are either, you've seen, you've seen the graphic before. They're either going to run a corporation successfully or a prison gang. Like it's 50-50 oh, yeah. at this point, right? So I'm not knocking that. I even have a shirt that says bold does not equal bossy because I was always called bossy. But yeah. I am learning that, and I do have team members, I love you all when you watch this on the replay, um, (laughs) that I understand that that can have an intimidation factor when Mm -hmm. you are a leader and manager of a team. And so I guess my question for you with that, if you, first of all, recognize, you know, you're looking at you, you're the common denominator, are you maybe not having that open door? Are you very intimidating? What is your response like when they give feedback? Yeah. I guess, how do you, because I don't want to like tone it down, but how do you make it so you're not such a strong, intimidating presence? So your team can say to you, 
Hey, yeah. I don't understand what you wanted with this copy. You just said fix it, but you didn't give me because that was one. I've seen that happen before. The response mm -hmm. they I didn't give enough, but I didn't have the door open enough for them to even say they didn't get enough. Right. Right. Open door policy is a great myth. We all like to think it works. We all like to believe we have an open door. Um, <laughs> but research has shown, first of all, that phrase is how many decades old now? And it's completely <laughs> overused. So it's lost a lot of its um, the weight that maybe it had in the beginning. It's morphed into just something every leader thinks they have to say is that they have an open door policy. So how do you actually flip that around? There's some different language that you can use that'll also trigger a different neurological response in your person that's listening to you um, is to ask them, what advice do you have for me and how I communicate what I'm expecting from you? All right, hold on a second though. I don't want to hear the advice because I don't want it to hurt my baby heart <laughs> when I hear their <laughs> advice. I mean, I do, but I don't, you know? Right, right. And that's where I'm like, and that's what you signed up for. So, <laughs> I mean, that is what... That's what you agree to when you decide I'm going to be a boss. I'm going to hire people. I'm going to build a team. Um, mm -hmm. You are going to be all at once the hardest nail and the most vulnerable person in the whole organization. Like it's just comes with the package. And I too, you know, am, as you noted, uh, I have been called intense more than once in my life. Um, and I so always say that because we are both very similar in that fashion, right? Oh, we, yes. We're just yes. strong and we know what we want. There's nothing yes. wrong with that. Yes. Well, and uh, both of us are in lines of work where we, it served us well in speaking truth to power, right? Like, I literally am telling mm -hmm. multiple multimillionaires, like, how they're not leading well. Like, there has to be some degree of confidence to be mm -hmm. able to say, yeah, you have this multi-million dollar company. Um, and, and this leads me actually to a whole not, another myth, but the way that you're, that you're leading is not serving you or your people to the best of its ability. And mm -hmm. they have to, they have to, first of all, want to hear it. So leaders, the more power and influence you get, the more insulated you become. So when you are, when you have a lot of influence and when you're running a big organization or not even, it doesn't have to big, be a big organization. When you're perceived to have a lot of power no matter what the, the surrounding factors are, people aren't as honest with you. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, you have to work extra hard to not surround yourself with bobblehead yes men and women who are going to tell you what you want to hear in the moment to make you feel good because you're powerful and influential and they're kind of scared of you. Um, and you have to invite difficult feedback into your life from your team difficult advice and, or you're not ever going to get it with just an open door. So one of the four open-ended questions when I do, I do 360 evaluations with my clients where their staff tell them things um, and evaluate their 22 core leadership skills, their emotional intelligence, and there's four open-ended questions. And one of the questions that we ask is, and is an absolute like gut punch responses we ask, what is something you could wish that, like, if I was surveying your team, what's something you wish you could tell Rachel that you've never been able to tell her before? Don't y'all email Lacey after this episode. <laughs> I don't, I'm not yet ready. I'm getting there. I'm getting so, there. So it's, it's really opening the door yeah. for those but, and asking for that information. And then part of what I do as a coach is, like, prep you to not take it 
personally and really be like, you cannot weaponize this in any way. But how? Okay, because like, I fall in love with my team. You know, yeah. even a lot of them are friends, but a lot of them come to me as strangers and I feel like we've become friends. And maybe this is the yeah. part of the episode where you tell me they're not actually your friends, but I like to live in my world. Don't, don't, I'm not looking at you. I'm closing my eyes. <laughs> But I would like to think because I care about them, you know, one of our pillars of freedom is uh, physical. So like we have unlimited PTO. I want them to work unplugged as much as possible. Majority of them are moms. So how do you, like what you just said, you prep your clients so that, you know, the leader doesn't take it personally. How do you untangle those two things? So the first, first of all, one of the, one of the posts I, I've done that always gets the most like feedback. I know which one it is because this is one of the ones that got me. Yeah. Is yeah, that your employees are not your friends. So you can be friendly with your employees. Mm -hmm. You can genuinely love your employees. You can care deeply about them, but you're not in an equitable relationship like you are with a friend that doesn't work for you. So you're not telling a friend that doesn't work for you when they can have time off. You're not critiquing their work. You're not uh, letting them go if they cannot get on board with the vision, core mission values, or if the work is subpar for mm -hmm. too long. And so there's an inherent power dynamic that isn't felt necessarily by the leader because we don't perceive ourselves that way. We're not right. like, oh, we're going to lord this power over you. We're like, no, 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 no. We care about these people. We're friendly. Um, but the people on the other side of the equation, they are very hyper aware. And what you say has way more weight as a boss than what you say as a friend. And so they're gauging your emotional response. They're just, they're honestly neurologically wired for a different response to you mm -hmm. as boss than they are as friend. And so there isn't an equal, it's not the same thing. And oftentimes having a friend who works for you and um, you become, if you've become friends on the job and you have that, it works right up until it doesn't. And the requirement is, you're laughing. I see a recognition there. The requirement I, I remember back to your conference. Do you remember the conversation? Yes. I had to terminate someone who was a friend and I agonized about it for months. Yeah. Way more than you would have if that dynamic wasn't at play. Uh -huh. yeah. And so it's recognizing that also, even if you've got the emotional maturity to handle it, it requires for the relationship not to completely implode. It requires the emotional maturity on the other side of the equation mm -hmm. as well. And so that you both have to be there. And man, I've screwed this up. Like I can speak to this with passion because I have screwed it up more than once. You'd think once, right? And you'd learn. <laughs> no, it took me a good couple times. So it's recognizing that, mm -hmm. um, it can, it can definitely be an issue. So you need to keep appropriate boundaries with people that work for you. Now, what those are, those are going to be different for me than they are for you. There's no formula. I'm not going to tell you, don't ever go get drinks with your staff. I'm not going to say, don't text your team. Like uh, after hours, well, don't do that unless you want them texting you after hours, but yeah, you know, no. <laughs> the, the, um, 
the thing that 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 you have to think about is like what are those levels of intimacy in a relationship any relationship and i'm talking about sexual intimacy but intimacy in a relationship yeah. where you know that you're crossing the line like for yourself so mm -hmm. when you really think about like what are the things i talk about or the way i talk or even shoot text messages back and forth that are bantery that are what i do with my close like inner circle friends mm -hmm. am i starting to cross that boundary with my team mm -hmm. and you have to recognize when that happens that it is going to change the emotional dynamic of the relationship um and i'm not saying I, I never tell, I can't tell grown people what to do. I'm not saying don't ever, ever do it, but I'm saying don't go into it blindly and right. think that everything's just gonna be the same and that that um, there's not going to be a dynamic shift when that happens. Hmm. Told y'all she's gonna hit you hard right there. <laughs> you know, and that, that post, the one that you're talking about is that your employees can't be your friends is something that has been in the back of my mind. And I think it was one of the things that really has pushed me to shift from leader or management to leadership mentality and one knowing that i wanted to grow and that it was you know really a necessity for you know success trajectory to continue so yeah that's difficult i guess um i guess for me it's like do you when you start realizing you're developing a friendship type of emotional attachment should you terminate them well i mean it's like you have to decide can i dial it back do you have do i dial it do i pull back a little bit and let them know i'm not upset with you this is about me being able to treat everybody equitably and um this is about me this is not about you i'm so happy with you because they're gonna feel it they're gonna feel it if you start to disengage a little bit and they're gonna be like whoa, whoa is she mad at me so you have to really you know see already sticky you have to really clarify like no i'm not um and then you might have a tough decision to make like I think some of actually Tosh, one of my very good friends who we both are, are know and are friends with um, Tosh and I had a working relationship before we ever had a friendship. I used to be her hmm. boss way back in the day. I didn't know that. Yeah. And we actually were able, um, we did not, because I'd learned some hard lessons, thankfully, before she came on board, we didn't get really close as friends until I had moved on and she'd moved into my position. And then I was informally not working for the company, mentoring her. And mm -hmm. I, we knew we, we knew we were like, oh, I like her. We had good chemistry. And then now we're like lifelong friends. But that was like the reverse, right? Mm -hmm. So that is way easier to do. And so that even can be a, a, and healthy and not like, yay, I don't influence your financial life and you don't influence right. mine. That's huge. Yeah I, yeah, I like that you just put it that way. That definitely had a little shift because I'm struggling as we're talking because I'm like, I love these people. I love them. I love what happens in their life. I, I want to be there for them. But I like how you just put it that I directly impact their financial situation. Yeah. And they yours because if yeah. they're up or not delivering to the degree that, you know, they're going to impact yours or making huge errors i mean we all know there's there's hundred thousand dollar mistakes and those happen so yeah, been there. <laughs> been there. so okay so let me ask you this so we've gone through the first one was just because you love people doesn't mean they're gonna love you back essentially it doesn't mean you're gonna naturally be a good leader it doesn't naturally. mean that you're gonna know how to lead it, it you you have to you have to um recognize that it's a learned skill and seek mm -hmm. out 
Mm -hmm. you're understanding yourself better and where, how you can become a better leader and really dive into it as like a lifelong learning commitment. One thing that I would add on there before we hit up the top, the last of the top myths here is that through my leadership improvement journey, I felt like it has improved my personal interpersonal type relationship. So just the way that instead of like, you know, getting into a discussion with somebody, it's like, why did you do that? It's, you know, what caused you to believe X, you know, like trying to look at from more of their perspective, because those are the sorts of things that I've been trying to learn, like what we were talking about before, if I'm asking advice and trying to get information before it'd be like, why didn't you do X? Now it's like, what caused you? So I can see and hear from their words. Anyways, I've been using it in personal life. Oh, that yeah. Jedi mind tricks with my kids. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> totally applicable to your pers- to a personal life. Like I am by, I'm such a better communicator now than I was even five years ago, you know, mm-hmm. just really learning. It's, it's constant lifelong learning and analyzing yourself. And, and the more we ask for that difficult advice, that li- listening mm-hmm. to those things we don't want to hear about ourselves and having people that'll be honest with us um, and then applying it, like yeah. we grow, we grow or we just climb into a hole, but entrepreneurs aren't wired that way it's usually like all right it stings for a while but let's go but I think this is one of those areas that is not talked about enough and I think that's why it's wonderful what you're doing I'm always about trying to be the first in the space doing something different so that's what I love about you doing and really keying in on these topics is because I wish that I I could go back like this is one of those things that before I had a team that I would have started working on because I would have saved up I mean just talking about money I would have saved up so much money that I could have put into my retirement fund my family paying off debt then instead of you know like I said before I sat on firing somebody for months I needed to do did I have leadership failures there yes but I also think like we talked about at the very beginning of the episode the leadership started in the hiring process and I didn't go through that. So I would encourage y'all listening. If you have any inkling of wanting to have a team later, or you just want to become a better communicator. Like Lacey was saying, it's helped her become a better communicator. I have also seen that it's directly impacting how I show up on social media to all of you and what I put way I put out my message. Yeah. Yeah. It's becoming an effective messenger, whether it's to your Mm -hmm. social media, to your team, to your family, like it's all intertwined. Our brains are going to generalize it. So yeah. Oh man. Uh, All right. So last one, last one, last big myth of leadership. Okay. This is hard for you to pick these because there's, you know, a few. Uh, I'm going to throw a couple out if you want. I'm going to say that a, the, one of the big myths that I, I hear is that a healthy bottom line must mean I have a healthy culture. I like that one. I mean, it's not smart because it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, People look at, they just look at the PL and they think if I'm doing Mm -hmm. great, if I'm not in the red or if I have a good profit margin, then Mm -hmm. my team must just be killing it. When I'll survey teams in fast growing companies, and they've got like four or five key employees on the cusp of leaving. And they had no idea because often when you come with, you know, when a team is growing really fast and working um, really diligently and providing that kind of growth where you've got that healthy bottom line, you have a person at the top or people in key leadership positions that have been pushing quite hard to get there. And so if you, 
Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I have questions for you. They're swirling in my mind. Go ahead. Yes. So if you have a leadership team that, so your key group of leaders, right? So if you have your leadership team that has been pushed really, really hard and you've been working through pace setting and commanding styles of leadership, but you haven't been balancing it with like the affiliative stuff and the coaching and the vision casting and, and keeping that fire alive and you've just been push, 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 your bottom line looks great, but you have people that are at their breaking point and oftentimes leaders don't even know it. 85% minimum overestimate their leadership ability. And if you're thinking, oh, wow, good thing I'm not in that 85%, bad news, you're probably in that 85%. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So here's my question to you. Could you say the inverse here? It just, maybe you don't have a good bottom line because you still have a good team and have good leadership? Yes. Um, You, because think about, think about the way that business grows. Mm -hmm. It never grows like this, right? Mm -hmm. We wish. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Right. It does more of that. And so you can be in a dip and have a really happy team Mm -hmm. that is success, that is anchored to what I call anchored to you, that is all about the mission and the vision and they're Mm -hmm. on board and you guys are getting ready to take off. Now, if you have repeated trending where you're like flatlined despite your best efforts or continual dips, then yes, let's have a conversation. But if you've got a bad about, you know, things may not be so healthy, but if you have just a rough few months, don't think, don't look at your business myopically. Don't look at it. You need to look at your trending over time, not just one month and the next month and the next, and then flying by the seat of your pants. You need to have work with a strategist. I might know one to look at, (laughs) look at some of that trending over time and see where you're really going. Well, what came up for me when you were initially talking about having the healthy bottom line, but, um, you know, the X amount of people that might be getting ready to leave, I automatically was like taken back to when I worked in sterile corporate cubicle farm. And I, and I even hear it now from my friends and not everyone's cut out for an entrepreneurship. That's I'm not shaming them for doing corporate world jobs. Many love it. But what I hear from those that don't love it is that they don't feel like they have an ownership stake. They don't feel like they're not getting any intrinsic value. They don't feel led, you know, they don't feel heard or seen. They don't feel like their purpose in life is connected to their work. There's often that huge disconnect. Mm -hmm. Yep. So how would you as a leader be able to facilitate that to make sure, because like for me, I like, you're, you know, you're throwing all these statistics. If you don't think you're in the 85%, you probably are. When you were just saying that, I was thinking, oh, I'm one of those leaders. I'm in tune with my people and what they want. And then I'm like, oh crap, am I really? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a few ways to go about it. I recommend whether you use me or use it, somebody else. Use Lacey. Um, you can do a 360 evaluation. And okay. that is the starting point with Every, every entrepreneur, every business owner that I work with, every executive, whether they have three employees and are at the $500,000 a year mark, or they have 400 employees are in the multiple like eight, nine figure mark. So I've got clients on both ends of that spectrum. And so um, no, no matter where you're at, I start with the 360 evaluation 
and we do we get some hard questions answered we get a good sense of where you're at and then we also do some work around your tendencies so i do some personality profiling um and we do some talking about those leadership or those uh coaching leadership styles that i just flew through we slow down and i explain like this is what they are where do you see yourself how do you think your team would describe you and we come up with scenarios and then um we also look at your philosophies of value and anyways there's a bunch of assessments i could throw terms out that won't mean a lot but there's a bunch of assessments that we get a good handle okay. on this is like your starting point plus that 360 and that is a huge like whoa i'm either my employees are i'm connected to them or, or i'm not as connected as i'd like to be and then another exercise that you can actually do with your team is you can ask your team um to really think about like most people can't answer what is my purpose in life mm -hmm. if you just ask them on the fly if you walked up to most people in the street and you're like, what's your purpose in life? And what are your three core values? They'd just be like, A, who are you? And why are you talking to me? Um, and B, like you'd get the deer in headlights, right? Like most of us, unless we have intentionally done the work, cannot answer those questions just like that. Mm -hmm. So I think um, a big important piece of what you can do is you can uh, have your team think about and lead them through some exercises to identify what their three personal core values are. And then that's going to really lead into like, okay, so how, how in your own life do you value living that out? And then you can, as the leader, start drawing those connection points to how your work can facilitate or be the vehicle for their purpose. I'm chuckling because I saw one team member log on, then I saw two and three, and I was like, oh, they're all talking on Slack, and they want to see what's coming for them after this episode. <laughs> I can see them logging on. Uh, so that's funny. Well, good, guys. Y'all know what's coming now, because I want to be a better leader, because I know that's the only way, really, to grow. I mean, because the reality is, and we hear this everywhere, uh, you know, to grow, you have to scale and outsource and do this. You can't do any of that if you're not able to effectively communicate and effectively Lead. Oh yeah. So my goodness, yeah. Lacey, you've blown my mind with a lot of this. Hit me in the gut with a few things that I know I need to work on. Do you have like one quick takeaway for them? Maybe something ins inspirational or just something they could go tangibly go do so they can get working on this immediately. Oh man. Well, <laughs> if, is it, if they have a team or they don't have a team? Um, if they have a team. Okay. I'm using this like our own personal coaching session here. If you haven't, yeah, yeah. right, go for it. <laughs> if you have, if you have a team, I would say do that exercise I talked about with having them really think through what are their like core values and ask the five whys. Why is it important? Why, why, why? Until you get down to some really unique language. So, for example, mm -hmm. one of my personal core values in that you know I love people. I think they're really important and and people matter. And I boiled that down to after putting myself through this is mm -hmm. use money to love people instead of loving money and using people. And so I use that as a filter for how I make business decisions and how I live my life. And my spouse and I share that, so that's helpful. But having that. I mean, that's just an example of a very, um, it's easy to stick with like the, the, uh, the, the easy ones, you know, the gimmies, the hard work, the integrity, those are, those are easy to say because they're everywhere, but what does it mean? What do they mean? Mm -hmm. yeah.
Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Lacey, thank you so much. Where can everyone find you to get more information? Yeah, come find me on Instagram. You can find me right here at Lacey uh, underscore Nelson. Lacey's L-A-Y-C-I. And I'm sure Rachel's got me and some posts. You can find me that way. Um, Come follow me there. Come follow me on Facebook. And I would say come find me online, but I'm getting my website rebuilt. So yes, pretty soon there's going to be LaceyNelson.com, but it's not live yet. Awesome. Well, I will link all of this when I share this on Instagram for the replay. And if you're listening later for the podcast, I'll stick it in the show notes so you guys can find her. She's got a lot of great resources. Honestly, I learned so much. Even if I didn't love you as a person and didn't know you friendly wise, (laughs) um, I still would absolutely continue to follow because it's so nice that I know that I can consistently count on you to really good put good information out there that's not just like a quick oh here's the five things you can do but it really gets my mind going it makes me stop it makes me sit down and think okay how can this actually change my business because I'm so tired of these five hack posts I could go on like a whole rant about that that's kind of like my whole thing lately but so we're here for the good stuff if y'all have any questions at all please feel free to dig in to the Real Biz Talk Facebook group. Um, Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we are going to be finishing up this week the free uh, time strategic management masterclass that I have. I'll be pulling that down. And then we're going to be moving into a live strategy workshop where we get a little bit bigger on a lot of these topics. So just go in there, sign up for that. The masterclass one, no pitch, no sales, no nothing, 100% content. But then you'll also be spun up to find out about the next class because we're going to have some giveaways and fun stuff coming down the pipeline. And I will talk to you all there. Have a good one.